It's time for more casual sports talk from a casual sports fan. Open up that fridge. It's time for some very cold lasagna with your host, me, Dylan Lasagna. Welcome everyone to another brand new episode of Very Cold Lasagna, the podcast hosting a safe and open forum for casual, cold, and even the dumbest takes on WWE, All Elite Wrestling, and the NFL, and the world of wrestling and sports in general. And it's a brand new week. That means it's it's another new set of stupid takes from a casual fan like me. And hopefully I get to hear some of your... um, grand takes from you casual fans too because again this is a safe space for casual sports fans like you and me but anyway this week we got a another big show for you all um this past weekend um at the time of this recording um it it was super wild card weekend in the nfl um we got a lot of big games um honestly most of them were a lot of a lot of good ones but we'll get into that um a lot of it consisted of revenge games, big upsets, and yes, we even had slime and MVP honors. We had to hand out an award for being a not so valuable player. <laughs> but anyway, um, we're gonna get into Super Wildcard Weekend. Plus, we're also gonna get into um, the divisional matchup, the next round of the NFL playoffs um, in this portion of the show, and some a couple of my personal offseason needs um for the teams that didn't make it um to the next round um so we're gonna get into all that on this episode of very cold lasagna and um wherever you're watching this whether it's on youtube uh, please go subscribe to my youtube channel um it means the world to me and click on the notification bell because um as as it can be said a million times um I say on my main, ch- on my main, other main YouTube channel, or on this channel, wherever how many channels I make, um, YouTube doesn't always send out notifications um, for when videos go out. So tap that notification bell, or always check the channel often for whenever I upload a new episode of the podcast. And, or if you're listening to us on an audio platform, uh, make sure you go follow me on Anchor or Spotify. It means the world to me as well. Wherever you listen to this podcast or whether you watch it, your support means the world to me. With that being said, let's get into um, some non-football news first because um, time on, on on occasion I I like to talk about things other than uh, football because eventually down the line I want to talk about things that are unfootball related and let's talk about some non-football news. Um, WWE champion um, Drew McIntyre. Um, this news broke out on Monday that he tested positive for COVID-19. And, uh, I, I was, I was honestly stunned that this happened. And, um, I hope that he gets better. Um, I, I just hope that I don't know what happened. I, I don't know how he contracted it. I don't, he said he had no symptoms. Um, but let me just play this brief clip that in this statement he had from this past Monday's Raw. So let's roll it. WWE Universe. Now, I wish I could have been there with you all tonight in the Thunderdome, but unfortunately, as I'm sure you've heard already, I tested positive for COVID-19. Now, I'm one of the fortunate ones with no symptoms, but I assure you, COVID should not be taken lightly. Don't think you can't catch it because you can. 
If it can happen to me, it can happen to anybody. And the only way we're going to be able to stop this thing is by working together. So please wear your mask, follow social distancing guidelines. It's not just to protect you, it's to protect everyone and their loved ones. I'll see you all really, really soon. But until then, stay safe. But anyway, that was um, Drew's statement from Monday Night Raw. And he is going to be challenging. He's going to be face defending his WWE title against Goldberg at the Royal Rumble. Um, just hope to God that um, he retains the title uh, against Goldberg. Because, um, well, I just don't see... <laughs> Goldberg holding the title and then being a Brock Lesnar and hold it hostage till WrestleMania. But anyway, um, I just hope that Drew McIntyre um, keeps himself healthy and safe until the Royal Rumble. And then hopefully he'll be claymoring uh, and kicking ass again and heading into WrestleMania season as your reigning and defending WWE champion. And in some other uh, non-football uh, related news um, in the at the time of this recording, on Wednesday, James Harden, yeah, the now former Houston Rockets star uh, point guard, was traded to the Brooklyn Nets. I kid you not. Um, so he was traded to the Brooklyn Nets for a bunch of stuff. Um, the he was traded for pretty much nothing. Uh, in return, the Brooklyn Nets gave him. Uh, he. The Brooklyn Nets gave the Houston Rockets a bunch of first unprotected first round picks, um, a bunch a pick swaps, whatever that means, a Milwaukee Bucks first round pick in 2022 from Cleveland, and a lot of teams were in the mix for this in this in this trade. So the Cleveland Cavaliers were also involved. They acquired um, Jared Allen and. Tareen Prince, I don't know what team they were on. They were either on the Nets, uh, the Pacers, because they were also involved in this trade, but we'll talk about that shortly, or the Rockets. I don't know what team they were on. And then in the end, the Pacers got Karis LeVert from the Nets and a 23-3 second-round selection from Houston. And in the biggest uh, thing, uh, Victor Olodipo, um, Dante Exum, Rodionis Krulux, um, are all going to to the Rockets as well. So, and they're coming from Indiana. So that's that's that was a very big trade that happened on Wednesday. Um, so Rockets clearly are the big winners in this trade. They finally dumped off Harden's uh big contract and Harden's frustration with the the franchise. Now, <clears throat> again, I don't. No, how obviously Houston's rebuilding now, and I don't know how they're gonna what they're gonna do to replace James Harden, um, in going down the line. But as for the Brooklyn Nets, because obviously the media is hyping them up to be championship contenders, but hold your horses, hold your horses. James Harden hasn't even flown down to Brooklyn yet. Um, we we just gotta see um how this goes. I just. I don't know if it will really work because, you know, that that's a lot of egos for, I think it's Steve Nash that's coaching the Nets now. That's a lot of egos and a lot of, like, willpower that uh, Steve Nash has to make sure it's 
that gels, you know, smoothly because you got Kevin Durant, um, a good player, but it, 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 he's a bit of a Twitter, Twitter head. And then you got Kyrie Irving, who's also a drama queen. Um, he was recently violating, um, COVID protocols. Um, there's pictures of him maskless. I don't know where, but somewhere around, uh, outside of Brooklyn. And then you got James Harden. He's, he's, he's obviously has his problems, but yeah, you, you have to make sure these, all three of these guys coexist with one another, make sure they're on the same page, drama free, um, no egos. And that's going to be a challenge for Steve Nash. And what that, that would be the deciding factor, whether or not the Brooklyn Nets will win a championship, um, this season. So, that's going to be something to look out for, um, for all you NBA fans and for Nets fans. So we'll see. We'll see what happens with um, this trade. Um, but right now, um, I think the Rockets came out the big winners because of what they got long term. They got some picks, um, Oladipo on an expiring contract, um, and they're going to probably use this season to determine whether they should resign him. But. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see where they go with this, um, with both parties. But clearly, James Harden is finally out of Houston. He's probably celebrating um, to the moon. So there you go. So now we can talk about Super Wild Card Saturday. And <laughs> man, I didn't. I honestly didn't expect the games to be that good. Well. More than half of the games to be good. Four out of six, um, the games were pretty good. the the last The last game of the day was a complete shocker, and then the game before that was a complete dud, <laughs> the worst of the bunch. But you can't win them all, right? You can't win them all. We can't always have um, a perfect like six of six, um, good slate of games. I mean, I honestly was hoping, but nonetheless, nonetheless. Um, we started our Saturday with um, the seven seed on the in the AFC um, Indianapolis Colts taking on the AFC East champions Buffalo Bills. Um, last on the last episode, I predicted the Bills to win by seven, and my I, the reason the reasoning for this was I believe the Bills had the best um, was one of the best teams in the NFL um, with great play on both sides of the ball. And especially on the offense with Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, and Cole Beasley, and even but even then, you still couldn't count out the Colts. But that depended on which Philip Rivers you were gonna get. Where you're gonna get the run, the one that took care of the football and did enough to keep his team team alive and enough to win. Or were you going to get the one that threw so many interceptions that it reminded you of 2016 Chargers? So, the actual score was 27-24. And this game was actually a very tight one. It it was a tight down the wire. Um, I, I will say this, like, the most common theme of the day for me was the Bills inabilities to stop Jonathan Taylor so like I saw I saw this and 
they struggled to stop Jonathan Taylor. Like he was just like finding open lanes. The Colts offensive line did a pretty good job opening up the run, the running lane for Jonathan Taylor to get first downs, gain a lot of yardage. And I'm pretty sure he got a touchdown too, but he was just allow He was just allowing himself to just gash the bills run defense and the bills had no answer for it all game. They just didn't. And while while Jonathan Taylor was a good part of the game, unfortunately, um, Frank Reich, man, I think you got too aggressive um, in this game, unfortunately, because uh, I think the the call to go for it on fourth down at the end of the first half was uh, I, I don't know if that was such a good call because. Uh, they went for it on fourth down, at four, on fourth and goal. They were in the red zone, like I think it was inside the ten yard line. And instead of going for three points, which could have cut it very close, I don't, I forgot what the score was, but they 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 didn't want the just the three points. I think they were down thirteen to seven. I don't I don't remember the score, but. Phil Rivers throws a pass high or high and it falls incomplete. And that allows the Bills to run out the clock and go into half with the lead. So that that was a, another point of emphasis on the the Colts over aggressiveness. Another problem was um that over aggressiveness allowed the Bills to finally wake up on offense because you know they started slow they, they had a slow start in the first uh, at least for most of the first half but they finally started to to wake up when they when they finally saw that oh the Colts are not scoring they're not allowed they're not taking advantage of of their opportunities so Josh Allen finally had like got himself a nice game um like I think the first sign was when he had an improv pass, like the opening their opening possession when Josh Allen threw a like what when it looked like a designed run, um in the red zone, but he's like there's nothing going for him. He I, he thought he was gonna get sacked, but he saw Deshaun Knox in the wide open in the end zone and he literally just lobbed it, and <laughs> Knox caught it for a touchdown. And that that was that was such good improvisation. That was really good. And then, obviously, Stephon Diggs finally got got momentum. Eventually, they Josh Allen finally found Stephon Diggs, and eventually, Diggs found the end zone to extend Buffalo's lead in the fourth. But man. I don't know how the Bills' pass defense was able to not get pressure on Philip Rivers. They didn't like they didn't get any hits or like sack him or anything. There was like no pressure on from the from the Bills' defensive line. I I don't know if they had a bad game or it was the Colts' offensive line like really protecting uh, Rivers well. So maybe that that's, that was a good good takeaway from the Colts what wasn't good about this game overall though was the referees because 
this game could have been over like like very early there was it there couldn't have not been like so much anticipated drama like there couldn't have been like three straight incompletions from the Colts to end the game because Zach Pascal on the Colts last position he, he caught a pass from Philip Rivers and then he clearly fumbled the ball but they reviewed it and he was down by contact they 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 upheld that he was down by contact he took more than two steps forward before and then the bills punched it out and they ruled that down by contact that makes no sense whatsoever <laughs> i i don't understand that i really don't but it didn't matter anyway the bills managed to win the game um 27 to 24 but again i would be concerned um about their defense um they really need to they really need to get some pressure on on their next opponent the ravens uh, who i'll get to later um because they're gonna be playing lamar jackson (laughs) they're gonna be the bills are gonna be playing a much tougher quarterback and a more mobile quarterback in lamar jackson so that pass rush needs to get to uh to attack the offensive line they need to pressure jackson into throwing and shutting down his running ability otherwise um mark jackson is going to have a field day on the running the football not just through his running through the running backs but through himself through jackson's legs so the bills gotta hopefully um learn from this game that they need to improve on their run defense, but hey, you're just hearing this from a guy rambling, a casual fan rambling about his thoughts on the game. Um, but as for the Colts, because they ended up losing this game, now they headed to their off season. Um, um, they improved on their seven, their previous uh, seven and nine record from 2019. They ended up 11 and five. Um, I don't see too many in my opinion I don't know what they else they need to address uh, besides their biggest need and that is quarterback because they I don't know if they will yeah, Philip Rivers is gonna stay in Indianapolis or if he's even gonna play uh, next season but it's a big question mark it is a big question mark but even and even then if he resigns for another year in Indianapolis, they have to fight like the Colts have to um, see who they can mentor, who they can draft, or who can they could sign in free agency. Um, so they to ha- to be mentored under Philip Rivers because we've seen what Jacoby Brissett can do in 2019, and he he just didn't get done. He did, he did not get it done. Um, he had promise early in that 2019 season, but well, they lost seven straight games and they ended up seven to nine. So in my opinion, quarterback is their busy, the Colts' biggest need in, in this coming off season, and we'll see what they do to address it. As for the Bills, they're moving on to face the Ravens, and we'll talk more about the Ravens um, in the coming minutes. As for the next playoff game on Saturday, 
we had the Rams, the six-seeded Rams, LA Rams, take it on the the NFC West champion Seattle Seahawks. I predicted last uh, again on last week's episode that the Seahawks were going to win by seven. My reasoning for this was that the Seahawks defense was playing a little bit better uh, than last month, or than December, or in even previous months. But again, they were playing bad teams, um, and and that had really bad offenses. The Jets, the the Rams, even the Rams themselves, the Niners, um, the Giants. Uh, well, they lost to the Giants technically, but still. Their Giants are still a bad offense. Um, I also mentioned that we didn't know about the status of Jamal Adams, who have wound up playing. We also didn't know about the status of Jared Goff, who still wound up playing despite the um, broken thumb. And even then, the Seahawks offense <laughs> literally just flipped roles with the Seahawks defense, and we're now they just playing average. So, the actual score ended up being 30-20, to 20, not in favor of the Seahawks, but the Rams actually won this game. So, that was uh, something. That was, that was something. Now, the Rams played a, a really good game here. They, I don't know if you would call it a repeat performance from Week 10, but they held the Seahawks to less than 300 yards of total offense. But that's besides the stat. Aaron Donald in that Rams D-line harassed Wilson all game long. Like, Will- Russell Wilson literally got sacked so many times. He got he got intercepted in near the end of the second half. And then he just kept throwing away the ball, making poor throws that he couldn't get anything going. He literally couldn't get anything going all game. He was getting frustrated by the the offensive line's continued failure to protect him, to to stop the, the pass defense. I mean, it's Aaron Donald. Obviously, it's Aaron Donald um, that you can't stop. But the rest of the, the defensive line, Russell Wilson is probably feeling like, guys, protect me, man. Protect me so I can make something happen. Anyway, um, John Wolford, uh, the the backup, um, started this game despite the fact that Jared Goff um, was active, was deemed active. And I know some people were saying like, "Oh, even though Goff, like like even though Goff is there, why why is he not the starter?" Um, now, yeah, that's true. But to my point, that he's coming off. Um, Sur- surgery that happened on I think it was two two weeks ago at the time it was recording like the Monday after the week six team game and Sean McVay probably didn't know he was recovery how much he's recovered I mean not to defend Jared Goff or the Rams in any case but this is just in general it's like you don't know like what exactly how exactly what kind of situation you're gonna throw a quarterback that's coming off a a, a surgery you know. It's just not like I know it's just a minor surgery, but it's just like you don't want to throw him to the wolves right away. But anyway, um, on the team's second possession, John Wolford took a 
a bad hit from Jamal Adams and um, was later taken to the hospital um, as a precautionary measure. Fortunately, um, he was back after the game and it was just deemed a stinger. And um, it remains to be seen what his status will be for Saturday's game. So Jared Goff had to come in and uh, yeah, he didn't, he did not look good at all. Um, I think he is still clearly um, hampered by the thumb surgery. Um, so he's still trying to <laughs> like get himself going with, with the game. But outside of that, meanwhile, on the Seahawks side, um, the, their offense um, again was awful. Um, outside of a good touchdown, the DK Metcalf and a garbage time touchdown um, at the end of the game. And as I alluded to earlier, the offensive line um, continues to be a problem, um, which again leads to Russell Wilson making really poor throws, including that pick six to Darius Williams or getting sacked countless times by Aaron Donald. The pick six by, by Williams in the second quarter and the fumble on the in a on a punt by DJ by DJ Reed late in the fourth um which led to a touchdown by the Rams on their next possession well that buried the Seahawks those bad decisions along with the Brian Schottenheimer the the offensive coordinator uh for for the for the Seahawks they got buried they got they got buried they looked completely unprepared to play this game i it's like don't excuse the lack of a crowd for this game because a lot of teams had to um uh, prepare for that in in these playoffs but they just did not look ready to play and it looks like the seahawks are looking for a new offensive coordinator they parted ways with uh schoenheimer um so um Good job for the Rams for upsetting the Seahawks, and now their prize is facing the Packers uh, in in a very cold Lambeau Field. And um, even though my show is called Very Cold Lasagna, um, I know that Rams will probably not want to eat my lasagna right now because um, that that def- that defense led by Aaron Donald better hope um, they that's enough to keep them in the game. Um, because they're not going to win the game if Jared Goff can't at least keep up with Aaron Rodgers. That's all I can say about that. Now, as for the Seahawks, um, what do they need for this offseason? As I allude to off-camera um, for the last three, four years, they need an offensive lineman or two or three, maybe like, retool the entire offensive line for that matter um but i don't know how they're gonna do that because all the their money is invested to russell wilson so oof you gotta start you gotta you gotta pick something not only that you have to resign jamal adams so you you gotta you got some things to address because uh Saturday's performance was a sign that something you gotta change up something thing you gotta shake things up um 
in Seattle because it you haven't gotten past the semifinals since you lo- you got picked in the end zone by Malcolm Butler. So something's got to change in Seattle. Some something's got to be shaken up. So in the nightcap for uh set for Saturday's wild card, we had the five-seeded Tampa Bay Bucks going up against the NFC least champion Washington football team. Now, I predicted <laughs> and uh, I can kind of eat crow with this. I predicted the Bucks to win in a, in a complete blowout, but I mean, not complete. I was a little generous. I said Bucks by 17. Um, so I was a little generous that it wasn't going to be a complete blowout. So I said that a very good Washington defensive front wasn't going to be enough um, to compete against Tom Brady because, well, not even Alex Smith, not even Antonio Gibson and uh, Terry McLaurin were going to be enough to compete or to keep up with Tom Brady, Mike Evans, Antonio Brown, Chris Godwin, Rob Gronkowski, and the whole many weapons that are on the Bucks offense. So that's what I predicted. But when you hear the actual score, it was 31 to 23. And uh, I was at work. <laughs> I was at work um, when I, I when this game was happening. So I had to watch I watched the this on DVR when I got home. And I was like, "How? Like, what am I? What? What? What's happening here? What was happening here?" So the the Bucks were up eighteen to seven at halftime, and then, like, you you think that this was gonna be they were gonna get the Bucks were gonna continue to do what they were going to do because it was it was clear early on the Tampa Bay offense did exactly what they needed to do. Tom Brady continued establishing his chemistry with this with his receivers and Evans, Antonio Brown. Chris Godwin had an awful game though with um so many drops though. Um Cameron Bright had a really good night. Um he just gets lost in, I don't know. He just gets lost in a shovel by by Gronk though. But all of a sudden in the second half, Taylor Heineke, um who started for Alex Smith because uh Smith had a calf injury uh, that just wasn't responding right. Uh, Taylor Heineke, <laughs> the former XFL uh, quarterback for the St. Louis Battlehawks, he actually kept the Washington football team in it. And I was like, damn, dude. <laughs> damn. He rushed for a touchdown. He threw for a touchdown. Um, he... He advanced. He kept advancing the ball downfield. It was like he pl- like why couldn't they sign? Why couldn't Washington sign this guy for all like all season long? Yeah, I know he was taking online math classes at I forgot what school it was, but where? What? What? Run! Run! Well, you could have just released Dwayne Haskins earlier. You could have just. Signed Heineke and no, like, 
like have him sit Alex Smith for a couple of games, and if Alex Smith doesn't respond to his injuries, then have Taylor Heineke go. Like this kid can can ball. I know it's just one game, but he's good. He was good tonight on on that night. So I know eventually that the Bucks eventually put the game away. Um, but the fact that Washington even put up a fight, an inspiring fight, tells you that the future is bright for them. Like, granted, that they make the necessary changes um, in the offseason. Now, what do they need to do in the offseason? Well, the first thing that they should do is that they should keep, they should re-sign Taylor Heineke to a short-term deal because, again, they should, the, they sh- the Washington football team should not be like, like, oh man, Dan Snyder should be like, oh shit, this kid's having a breakout game. Let's let's sign him to a like a super max deal. No, he shouldn't do that. Um, what he what Ron Vera, Dan Snyder should do is sign Heineke to a short term deal. Um, and I, I think they can keep Kyle Allen. He's not not the greatest, but he's not terrible either. I mean, we seen what we could do in Carolina. I mean, the Niners whooped his ass anyway. Um, but I d- like Kyle Allen again. He's just below average. I mean, and Ron Rivera likes him anyway. And then draft quarterback in the draft. I mean, that's just my opinion. And then have a have a triple threat match to see who gets the the starting position and go from there. You know, you never you never know with with Heineke with Heineke. Or whoever to get in the draft. I know, like, I think Washington is slated to pick 19th. I know they're not going to get, like, the hottest prospect. Like, a Trevor Lawrence or a Zach Wilson or a uh, uh, Justin Fields or whatnot. But, like, like... They should at least draft a quarterback to, like, you know, ramp up some competition, ramp up some interest to follow up this inspiring, this honestly surprising performance that they put up against Tampa Bay. Now, other than a quarterback, they should get some help for Terry McLaurin, um, get some help on the offensive line. Um, You should upgrade the secondary because they were just getting gashed by Tampa Bay. Um in in that game so you know there's a lot to build on um in this game if and if they do that um if they and if they get a quarterback if they especially if they get a quarterback they could be a really good team in the nfc east um because you don't know if Dak prescott is going to resign um with the cowboys i mean it's likely but you never know things can change um on the on the spot the new york giants daniel jones is not the future i'm sorry and the eagles are such a hot mess especially after they just fired uh doug peterson and carson wentz um is probably gonna want either gonna want in or want out whoever the new head coach is gonna be and you're you got a quarterback controversy between him and jalen hurts so oof it's a hot mess in Philly. So that leaves Washington. That leaves Washington. And oh yeah, another need is that 
hopefully they get a permanent nickname that isn't the Washington football team. Um, I don't know what that is. Um, hopefully it's not, uh, you know, socially like controversial. Um, but hopefully they get a, a nickname, a new team name, uh, during this off season. That's good. That's good to the public. So those were the Saturday games. Um, a really good start to the playoffs for, for all three games. And I was actually looking forward to the Sunday slate. Uh, what, looking forward to Sunday. And we kicked it off with the five-seeded Baltimore Ravens take on the AFC South uh, Tennessee Titans. I picked the Ravens by three because um, while I thought the Tennessee Titans defense was going to suck ass, I didn't firmly believe in the, in the Ravens to n- not really put pull out pull put away the game like like big because well the the teams they played against at, at the end of the regular season the Jaguars the Giants uh the Cowboys the Bengals just again the postseason they got red hot red hot on those teams they built on the, that momentum on those teams so i was ready to give credit um on their their hot streak based on the victories on those teams and again lamar now then playoff record and not just playoff record but track record in the biggest spotlights patrick mahomes 0 3 um, he he lost to the Titans, in, who were then the sixth seed in last year's playoffs. And not only that, he got clapped by those Titans in last year's playoffs. So that was my my consensus last week. But the actual score was twenty to thirteen in favor of the Titans. Oh, uh, not the Titans, the Ravens. And why was that? Well, the Ravens followed my key to the game: shut down Derrick Henry the rushing leader, Derrick Henry. And they did so by limiting him to under 50 yards rushing. He exactly had 40 yards rushing, but they followed my key to the game and that was completely shut him down. And that that's another thing, another uh, takeaway from this game. Mike Vrabel did not uh, stray away from not uh, using Derrick Henry when it wasn't working. He didn't allow Ryan Tannehill to to throw the ball to AJ Brown or Corey Davis or um, I for, I don't know who else is on that team, um, but he didn't allow Ryan Tannehill to throw more or like run more. But I feel like they got too safe. They they felt too reliant on Derrick Henry, um, even though it was not working, and especially became apparent when the tight. It wasn't working when the Titans were down um, 20 to 13 um, in the fourth quarter. And the Titans were in field goal range, but they said punted. And they still, even on their next positions, they still kept trying to get something going with Derrick Henry. And it didn't work. It didn't work. So Lamar Jackson finally got a playoff win. He finally got a playoff win. Um, they in the Ravens defense after celebrate after 
um, intercepting Tannehill. They celebrated by stomping on the Titans logo as revenge for the Titans for doing the same thing in week 11. Um, so they didn't even shake hands either <laughs> after the game. So Lamar, in, in, in any case, Lamar Jackson finally um, erases the narrative that he can't win a playoff game. Um, so now it's on him and this, the Ravens team to build on that momentum because they face an even tougher offense and a somewhat less conservative team in the Buffalo Bills. So I already touched on the Bills and how they need to um, contain. They need to step it up on the run defense, step it up on the the, pa- the pass defense, the, the pass rush if they want to on Lamar against Lamar Jackson. Um, again, that's the reverse reverse way. Um, if the Ravens want to win this game, pressure um, the Bills' rush and pass defense with Lamar Jackson running the ball as well as through the air and use J.K. Dobbins. I mean, the Bills' defense is... I mean, it's good, but it can be exploited like it was against the Colts. Now, as for the Titans, um, as for their offseason needs, um... I think they need some help outside of AJ Brown and Corey Davis because those are the only names that um, I was able to keep my eye on um, in this wild card game. And yeah, they need to upgrade that that defense. They need to invest some money on the secondary because Malcolm Butler is um, not the Super Bowl hero that we all thought he was um that you signed him for and uh you got Jadavion Clowney did is not showing up um when the lights are shining brightest for Tennessee so they got to upgrade that secondary and they got to upgrade that pass rush in the offseason and then and then and then and then ladies and gentlemen ladies and gentlemen Give it up. Give it up for your give it up for your MVP, Mitch Trubisky. Give it up for your MVP, the one that you all voted for, all you kids out there. Mitch Mick Trubisky. <laughs> That's right. The middle day slate of this uh, the midday game was the, the Chicago Bears going to New Orleans to take on the Saints. And this game was on Nick. Um, I checked out the Nick broadcast along with switching to CBS. Um, yes, I channel switched from CBS and Nick because, well, um, I wanted to see how this Nick broadcast did. but And I'll get my thoughts on that too. But <laughs> this has got to be a joke, right? <laughs> This had to be a joke. I I don't know. I don't. I still don't know what to think of this. Y'all voted shit, Mitch Trushitsky as the MVP. The not val. I guess it, now you can call it the not valuable player. <laughs> I don't know. Again, this is. I guess this, this maybe is a joke because kids like bears and they like. 
I guess they do like Mitch Trubisky. <laughs> they, they like, oh, hey, Mitch Trubisky must be a really um, a big role model. <laughs> yeah, a role model in how to not play football. <laughs> but, yeah, Mitch Trubisky is your MVP. So, that's that. So, again, this, this game was broadcast on CBS and Nickelodeon. Um, I predicted the Saints to win by 10. Um, and I my reasoning was the Saints were not as healthy as a Green Bay or Tampa or Seattle. And they weren't playing their best football um, as either of those teams. But they still had enough on both sides of the ball to practically shut down a non-existent Bears team. And especially, it was especially apparent of that that the Bears were non-existent because, well, your MVP, Mitch Trubisky, doesn't show up when it matters most, and he would no-show again. And well, Nick Foles wouldn't save their ass. And well, my prediction was mostly right. This is actually the game. This is actually the game that um, my predictions were pretty much true because the score was a blowout and I feel bad for kids on Nick that had to watch um, Mick Trubisky um, show up on your TV screens. 21 to nine was your final score for this game. And um, I, well, my surprise was why, how was this game not a bigger blowout? (laughs) Um, let me speak on that first. This game could have been a, a bigger blowout, but I guess the bear. I guess I. I don't know if I can give the Bears defense, um, some credit, um, for. For contain for keeping Drew Brees in check, um, or for, for for a half, or for you know limiting, <laughs> the Saints defense for just twenty one points. I don't know. Like, I don't know why they didn't, the Saints could have just scored more. But I don't know. I guess Alvin Kamara, Michael Thomas, Latavius Murray, um, they did just enough to make this game a blowout along with Taysom Hill. And uh, I, for, I forgot what, I keep forgetting the Titans' name. I, I don't know. I, I don't know. <laughs> but they, they did just enough to, like, keep a, a no show Bears team. Um, from scoring and Cam Jordan on defense, um, and CJ Gardner Johnson um, f- from keeping this game uh, competitive, but they the Saints better hope that uh, Drew Brees plays better, uh, plays more a little more aggressively, um, like he slings it more in next round because they're gonna be facing Tom Brady and that that suddenly red hot Bucks team uh, because well. That they're gonna be slinging it out, and Drew Brees better outsling Tom Brady. And as for the Bears, well, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, the like I know that the the Mashatskis are gonna are keeping Matt Nagy. They're keeping Ryan Pace. They're keeping Ted Phillips, but they better not even think about uh, keeping their MVP. Mick Trubisky, um, after Sunday's awful performance, um, 
I mean, he had one good. I'll give him credit. He had one good throw um, on a trick play to Javon Wims, but Javon Wims ate too much Butterfinger, and he dropped the pass uh, to no one's surprise. And the Bears didn't convert it on fourth down in the first quarter um, because Trubisky didn't even try to lower his shoulder and dive for the first down marker. And, well, that led to the Saints uh, slowly uh, but surely blowing out um, the Bears. And other than that, all I could say is, man, C.J. Gardner-Johnson... Like, I don't know what he does to, like, get Bears players ejected, man. <laughs> he just has a natural talent. He just has a natural talent to piss off, like, like the Bears. He got, on Sunday, he got Anthony Miller ejected um, by convincing Miller to punch um, to punch uh, him in the face. <laughs> just like it did with the J- Javon Wims. Like, Bears players are so stupid, man. <laughs> and then they showed this graphic on the Nick broadcast where um, they compared uh, Javon Wims punching Gardner Johnson to the No Weenies, the SpongeBob episode, No Weenies Allowed, to Patrick punching SpongeBob, where it was like, Nobody calls me Tubby! <laughs> Speaking of the Nick broadcast, um, well, before I get into that, um, all I can say about the Bears, if there was a bigger spotlight in which you needed to see that the Bears completely sucked ass on Sunday, um, well, even on Nick, this is the biggest one. Um, even with the injuries on receiver, on defense, the Bears had terrible quarterback player and terrible play calling. And, uh, well, as of today, they're even unwilling to address it there as the slug daddy um go check out the channel that channel (laughs) it's such a uh piece of work he's just a great act um they're they're gonna be such a mediocre piece of shit uh that that mccaskies brian pace matt Nagy, they're all willing to accept mediocrity that's making them big pieces of shit but one positive thing that came out of that uh, Bear Saints game was the Nickelodeon broadcast. Now, when I first saw the commercial for when the NFL was going to be airing on Nick, uh, I was literally laughing my ass off. I literally was because I thought this was going to be some stupid shit. But when they actually did it, I, th- I still thought it was dumb. I still was laughing my ass off. But I was laughing my ass off because they were actually pulling this off. Like, they're actually they're actually doing something positive with this like this was actually well done it's like you have these really cool graphics like i mean yeah the first the first down marker was moving um at the beginning but they managed to stabilize it but they got these this really cool scoreboard graphic it it was really colorful and then the biggest thing that really popped to me um, was the CGI um, slime cannons in the end zone. Where every time he scored a touchdown, um, 
the, the one thing that I didn't like was the immature, like the premature, um, touchdown, touchdown slime cannon for, uh, um, when the Saints recovered a fumble for a touchdown. <laughs> it, was, it was kind of like weird. It, it was kind of awkward, but nonetheless, um, the CGI touched slime, slime cannon touchdowns. It was really good. It was really good. And again, the the graphics that they did on Sunday, like comparing um, players to Nickelodeon characters, and like again with the Jalen, like the Jalen Wimps incident, and the no weenies allowed thing, like those kind of things. Those were like those were really good. Those were really like good. It was like I I feel like those were much better, like than the usual ones you get on CBS or Fox or NBC, like the usual Photoshop ones you get on those networks. It was like a refreshing change of pace. Like, like I felt like football felt fun for once, like for once in a, once in a long time. Um, and not only that, I felt like I learned something. I, I felt like I learned something that, well, I haven't like, I most probably didn't learn yet in football and I'm still learning. Um, even if it was as in depth as a Jim Nance or Tony Romo or the Lord of God, uh, a Joe Buck or Troy Aikman, um, no Eagle who what is actually the great Iron Eagle son. Um, and Nate Burleson, they, they did a lot to not just entertain, but also educate, uh, kids and me on the sport of football um again they 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 had to like simplify it and explain it in a way that kids would not only understand but make it fun uh nate burleson used a lot of uh analogies to like 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 he explained how mitch trubisky's benching back in week three was like getting grounded by your parents so that was that was like analogies like that was pretty good and for fans of this particular show, um, Young Sheldon uh, appeared on penalties to, uh, of course, explain them. Like, a false start is yada, yada, yada. So he he popped up. So fans of Young Sheldon were probably marking out there. So that was pretty cool. That was overall. Um, these Nick NFL games, like, they're a great way to encourage kids to, like, um, to get into watching to watching this sport because they probably like not a lot of people are, not a lot of kids are like growing up are going to be watching this and i think this is a great way to like not only get kids to watch it but introduce alternative ways to um show nfl games and this was a really good one this was a really good one um but of course they got to fix they gotta if they want to do this again and i hope they do this again um they gotta they gotta fix upon their mistakes like explaining in the proper analogy because there was some there was one instance where Taysom hill got a concussion and i think it was noah eagle or nate burleson who anal made who compared it to made or explained it as a knee injury but Again, it was an actual, actually a concussion, and they had to explain the blue tent. So I feel like they need to properly address that. Again, you can make, 
you can say like concussion, like, but you have to say it in a way that, um, that addressed to the Nick audience. Um, but you can't just outright like claim a concussion has just a different injury. But I don't know. Um, that's just my opinion. And of course, there was that incident um, where I don't know if it. Now they're saying it wasn't Coraldale Patterson. Um, that that's it. But there was an audible f bomb at the end of the first half, and <laughs> the commentators were just like, "Oh, uh, all right." And yeah, that that probably that that that's probably gonna have to um, be adjusted. Now, now again, that's not. I don't think that's gonna be enough to um, make not make. That's probably not gonna be enough to make Nick say, "Oh, we're not gonna do another. Um, we're not gonna do another Nick broadcast." No, no, no. Learn from that. You know, learn from that as best as possible. You know, take from the episode Sailor Mouth uh, from SpongeBob. If an audible, um, if a hot mic audible, um, like a uh, swear comes out, you know. Do your best to censor it, um, like with a dolphin noise, you know, <laughs> like as as best as you possibly can. Uh, censor it with a dolphin noise, you know, like oh what the, <laughs> so that's my that's my take on that, and my final is actually encourage kids to vote for and and for a player worthy of the MVP that's actually on the winning team next time because well if you don't vote for the right MVP you don't get paid <laughs> as oh man Lex I, I, I gotta say Lex Lumpin was pretty good but he was pretty good and uh I, I don't know was it Gabrielle uh Navia Green was was good too was okay too um but yeah, I think she was in that uh, Renee Young kind of role where she was just um, saying "ooh ah," uh, but at the same time, I she was also there to be like um, the kids in the audience to learn the sport of football. So I guess I can give her a pass this time around. Um, but yeah, now us now I can sit around here and talk about oh how great the and great and good how the neck broadcast was, but. We got to move on and talk about the Bears offseason needs um, because, well, because they don't want to fire the front office and the head coach um, and they're content with mediocrity. Well, the first, if if they don't want to get their heads out of their asses, they have to find a quarterback. They, they should not resign their MVP. Um, they should... Mitch Trubisky should take his MVP, shove it straight up his ass, and go somewhere else in free agency. Don't don't resign him to a short term deal. Don't even franchise tag his ass. <laughs> Just don't. You've seen four years of his stupidity, and he he's he's a good he's a good guy personally, but on the field he sucks ass. He sucks ass. You, you could also use some wide receivers, um, Bears fans, and a competent offensive line, and maybe a secondary. 
And speaking of wide receivers, please get some that actually don't get into fights with uh with safeties, opposing safeties, and get that leads to their ejections. So Bears are going into an offseason full of questions with limited cap space, uh, mediocre uh, front office. Um, Saints are going on to the divisionals uh, facing Tom Brady. Um, and um, that should be an interesting matchup. That should be an interesting matchup, the three-peat. But we're going to get into that um, right after the, like, right after I discussed the final matchup of the Sunday night, uh, the Sunday slate. The six-seeded Cleveland Browns take on the AFC North Pittsburgh Steelers, uh, champion Pittsburgh Steelers, in an immediate rematch of Week 17. Um, and before I get to my thoughts on this game, I predicted the Steelers by three. Now, while I thought the Steelers' only good performance came <laughs> in Week 16 in a comeback win over the Colts, I still thought that if the Steelers were going to win. Uh, Mike Tolliman was going to need a Big Ben to at least turn back the clock a little bit um, to have another good game um, along with uh, Jace Conner um, and Jane Samuels to get the running game going and their defense to make some plays against uh, Baker Mayfield. And if the Browns want to have a chance at an upset, um, they needed to attack with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. And if that didn't work, um, Baker Mayfield needed to throw it to Jarvis Landry, Donovan Peoples-Jones, Austin Hooper, and also take care of the football. They did more than that. They did, the Browns did more than that, and Steelers did none of it. (laughs) Because from the very beginning of the game, from the very start of this game, the the Steelers um, fumbled it all away, literally. From the very first snap, Marcus Pouncey snapped the ball too high, and the Browns recovered it in the end zone for a touchdown. That's literally how the game started. And then on the next possession, Big Ben Roethlisberger got picked um, by MJ Stewart and... Jarvis Landry got a touchdown for Baker Mayfield on the Browns' first offensive possession, and the score was 14-0. And then the Steelers punted, which followed with a Kareem Hunt touchdown um, eventually to make it 21-0. And then Big Ben threw yet another interception um, to Sheldrick Redwine, and it eventually led to another Kareem Hunt touchdown. And by that point, it was 28-0. In the first quarter alone. The first freaking quarter. Now, sure, the Steelers got a touchdown from James Conner later in the second. And you thought that, oh, the Steelers might have a chance to like get some momentum. Make try to make a comeback. But nope. Austin Hooper, um, answer and the Browns answer right back, march back down to the end zone, make it 35-7. Um, and it, uh, Chris Boswell makes a field goal to make it 35 to 10 at the half. And, uh, while anything was possible, the Steelers played like dog shit. <laughs> the Steelers played like dog shit all first half. Three turnovers, 28 unanswered in the first quarter. 
that was terrible. That was a terrible first, not a terrible first quarter and a terrible first half by the Steelers and a great first half by the Browns. Now, the Browns' offense did play a little conservative in the third, um, which allowed the Steelers to um, um, score 13 unanswered to make the um, score 35 to 23. Um, but Big Ben threw yet two more interceptions, and near the end of the third quarter, um, Mike Tomlin tried to draw the Browns offside. I don't know why he tried to do that, but he probably forgot. Um, maybe he thought that the Browns were not disciplined enough. Um, he still thought that the, these Browns were in the skid mark era. <laughs> but um, yeah, they they weren't going to bite. Uh, the Steelers had to punt. And eventually... The Browns won 48 to 37. And I got to admit, I I was not expecting this at all. I mean, yeah. Like the the Browns ran away with this game like and the Steelers tried to cut it close, but the Browns ran away with this game. But I was not ex- like out of all the games, this result, the way this happened, I was not expecting this this the way for this game to turn out at all. But I get, I give a lot of credit to this Browns team. They played absolutely great football. Nick Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, um, they they just absolutely like attacked the Steelers all night. Um, even if they s- slowed down a little bit in the second half, but they they did exactly what they needed to do, um, and that was it to attack. They attack early and they attacked often. And Baker Mayfield, um, forget his stat line. He took care of the ball. He got Jarvis Landry. He got Austin Hooper going, and he did his job. And he did it more than more than well. And the defense, the, the defense did um, pretty pretty dang good too. They forced really really bad throws from Ben Roethlisberger. Um, so the Browns were clearly the more motivated team, um, to win this game. They wanted to, to, to go on to the next round more than the Steelers did. They wanted to win it for Kevin Stefanski. They wanted to win it for the rest of the coaching staff. They wanted to win it for all the players that were still on the COVID list. Um, they only had one week of practice, but in the end, the Steelers were, looked like the team that only had one week, one, uh, one day of practice. Sorry. Browns only had one day of practice, but the Steelers looked like the team that had that had that one day of practice. They looked clearly unprepared, <laughs> and I'm starting to think, man, why did Mike Tomlin give Big Ben that week off? I don't know. I really don't know. But anyway, I don't know if this Browns team. We'll be able to like keep up with Mahomes, or like at least in check, or like keep up with him in a shootout. But if they're able to keep pace, at least even in defeat, even if they lose, even they cut it close, this performance and whatever happens next week, they're gonna show 
that they're not the skid marks anymore. That designation goes to the Jets and the Jaguars. They're the skid marks. The Browns are no longer that. At least for next season and probably next year too. Yeah, Stefanski is finally the change the Browns needed culturally and emotionally too. Now, while the Browns are moving on, the Steelers, they got a lot of questions to answer. Um, the biggest one is at quarterback um, because they have to decide um, if they want to keep Big Ben um, because if they keep Big Ben Roethlisberger, it's a $41 million cap pit, and the Steelers, just like the Eagles, are way over the cap, and they have no money to spend, and uh, that's going to be um, very hard to sign. Uh, I think Juju Smith's Juju Smith-Schuster is a free agent, so it's going to be very hard to keep him. Um, but if Ben retires or the Steelers want to release him, then um, that the team takes a $20 million cap hit. So either way, they lose, mo- they lose money. Um, but either way, whether they keep him or release him, they need a quarterback. They need another quarterback. I think I don't I don't know they they pick in the around the mid late early the mid twenties so they have regardless they still have to pick a quarterback whoever's left the leftovers of the quarterback class um I don't know who it is but they need a quarterback that can that Mike Tomlin can hopefully develop because Mason Rudolph ain't the answer Josh Dobbs ain't the answer either so quarterback is the number one priority for the Steelers this offseason and also if as much as possible re-sign Juju Smith-Schuster so that is the wild card slate um, from Saturday and Sunday that was a lot to take away from a lot to get that was a lot to get into now that that is all in the books we now move ahead to divisional weekend two games on saturday two games on sunday oh man this is where this is where win or go home really means something um this is where i i'd say like this and the conference finals i I know conference championships sorry i always get that name mixed up with the nba this and the championship round is always the most important one um, this is where championship dreams, championship aspirations come to die, come to continue or come to die. And I think this year it becomes more, I think that theme of championship aspirations either like at continuing or dying because there are a lot of teams that have a lot of playoff aspirations um, that that can possibly make a run for the Super Bowl, um, but only one can 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 move on. Only one can move on, and the first teams to take a crack at moving on are the six seeded LA Rams taking on the Green Bay Packers, fresh off a first round bye on on Fox 
in the snowy, in probably the snowy and but yet very cold Lambeau Field. And well, it's going to be an interesting one because, especially for the Rams, um, all my big storylines here are on the Rams. Um, I don't really have much to say about the Packers because they don't really have too many weaknesses other than um, if if they don't get in a bl- if they're up big, can they stay up big? Because there are a lot of tendon- there were a lot of tendencies in the regular season where they were up, let's say by two or three scores, and they let a, an opponent like they let an opponent like score like let's say fourteen or 20 unanswered points they they sometimes let opponents hang around too long and the the packers have to like oh shit have to be like oh shit we have to we have to like hold them off we have to actually hold them off so can the packers actually hold a big lead um in against the rams now as for the rams can this defense um limit the Packers offense can Aaron Donald um who has that chest who had that chest injury in the Seahawks game um pressure um Aaron Rodgers um can Jalen Ramsey their court their top corner um limit Devontae Adams like um he did to Seahawks receiver DK Metcalf it's gonna be a challenge for this Rams defense it, it, it is especially in the harsh cold conditions in Green Bay um, so it's going to be a real challenge and especially on the offensive side of the ball, like, cause Jared Goff is, did not play great. He played really bad. Um, I mean, granted he was just, um, coming off dumb surgery. Um, so it's, he's still a big question mark. John Wolford's also a big question mark. Blake Bortles was inactive, so you don't know which quarterback's going to play, which quarterback's going to start. So, whichever quarterback, I, I do think it's going to be Goff. Um, can they do just enough to lead the Rams to an upset? We'll see. We'll see where it goes. Um, I, I was even I was just surprised that they managed to beat the, C, beat the Seahawks and beat them convincingly. So, we'll see. Um, but, crazier things to happen, but I do think the Packers will... Will end the Rams season here. Um, they just have too many weapons on on offense with Aaron Jones, um, Devontae Adams. There was another running back there, but I forgot. And they they have some, they have enough on defense too to um, to attack Jared Goff and Cam, shut down Cam Akers. So and the weather conditions too will be a big factor as well. So the Rams season ends here and. The Packers are going to go on to host the NFC Championship. Aaron Rodgers' first NFC Championship at home in Green Bay. Now, in the Saturday nightcapper, um, and this is going to be a big one, the Baltimore Ravens take on the, the Buffalo Bills on NBC. And I touched on this a lot already, um, but I'm going to probably repeat it. Can the Ravens' defense... Um, have a repeat performance from the Titans game by shutting down Stephon Diggs and Cole Beasley. Now, a, a thing, the thing here um, that will weaken the Bills a little bit, I mean, who knows, maybe significantly, is 
in the run game because they lost uh their running back in Zach uh Zach um I forgot his name. It starts with a Zach. <laughs> um but yeah. They lost a they lost one of their top running backs. Um the Bills lost one of their top running backs, so Josh Allen's probably gonna have to throw it more. Um and speaking of Josh Allen, can the Ravens pressure um him and sack him so that that remains to be seen and as for the bills can that run defense be able to limit lamar jackson and jk dobbins because well they had a hard time limiting um jonathan taylor and naeem himes last week um so they're gonna be faced with an even tougher challenge against lamar jackson and dobbins and I'm going to go on a limb here. I'm going to go on a upset tangent. I think Ravens are going to win here. Um, not by a lot. Just by three. They're going to win by a field goal. I think Josh Allen and the offense are going to keep the Bills in this game. But it's going to be up to the to the defense. to it's gonna, They're going to be the deciding factor. And their ability to stop Lamar Jackson stop the running game and pretty much everything revolves around stopping Lamar Jackson pretty much because if they don't stop Lamar Jackson well essentially like and slowly but surely you're fucked so other than that otherwise I do think the Ravens will win a very close game it's going to go down to the wire and they're going to move on to the winner of the next game. The next game is the Cleveland Browns taking on the number one seed in the AFC, Kansas City Chiefs, who are also coming off a bye, um, but they rested Patrick Mahomes in week 17. Now, the big thing here for the Chiefs is their performances from the Broncos, the Dolphins, Saints, and Falcons games. Mahomes didn't play particularly great, but they... They play, they played good enough to come out of those games as winners. So while Mahomes didn't have the, those great games, um, were those just? I don't know what the right term for this is. Were they just smoke screens? Uh, were they just um, like illusions? Or I don't know what the right word is. Are, are they just blind visions of what's to come in the playoffs? It's like, are, is it just tricks? Do they just want to like mislead or miss? Yeah. Mislead um, the Browns into thinking, Oh, Patrick Mahomes is not playing like an MV, at an MVP level. Maybe, maybe we can take advantage of that and try for an upset. But in reality, Mahomes is really prepping for the deeper postseason run, but we'll see. Um, was just that more motivation to get Mahomes ready for this this postseason stretch to defend the AFC crown and not just the AFC crown, the Super Bowl uh, title from last year. Now, speaking of the Browns, can they build on this momentum that? 
they suddenly got from that wild card game. Now they got they're gonna get Kevin Stefanski back and probably more from the COVID list. Um, and now with this big upset win over the Steelers, they're gonna be even more motivated to try to get another upset over the Kansas City Chiefs. But if they they want to do that, they gotta do they can probably do more than what they did um, against the Steelers because Patrick Mahomes is not um, is not a big a Ben Roethlisberger. Um, He's, you also have to shut down Travis Kelsey. Um, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, I don't know if he's playing. Um, you also have to take into account Tyreek Hill. There's a lot of, like, there's a lot of people that the Browns will have to watch out for. So, it's going to be a fight. It's going to be a fight. Especially with the way the Browns have been playing right now. And even though the Browns are going to be playing uh, a good fight, the Chiefs are still going to win by a touchdown. Um, so even like the Brown, the Browns are going to keep it close. I think Patrick Mahomes is going to do what Mahomes does and pull away. He's going to pull away um, from this game and lead the Chiefs to the third straight AFC title game against the Baltimore Ravens. So yeah, that's pretty much in essence. Um, my predicted AFC title game, the Baltimore Ravens versus the AFC Chiefs. But we'll get into my my uh, what I think of my um AFC, my championship games after I discuss the last um divisional round game, and that is the three match of the regular season uh, from the regular season, and that's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Versus the New Orleans Saints. And um, they've said it time and time again. It's it's very hard to defeat a team three times. It's hard to defeat an, uh, the same quarterback three times. And that's obviously going to be the big storyline for me too. Can the Saints pull off the three-peat over the Bucks, And in the game, that matters the most. The winner goes to the NFC Championship game. The Saints will either go to one of these guys, one of these teams will go to Lambeau. Or if the Rams somehow upset the Packers, um, one of these teams will host the NFC Championship game now. <laughs> um, but in all seriousness, also, will Tom Brady finally win against Drew Brees this season? Because if you remember, Tom Brady got blown out by Drew Brees the the two times that the Bucks played the Saints um in the regular season. Now they're playing a third time and Tom Brady and the Bucks are playing um their best football all like in the in a month. So it should be that should be something to watch out for. And Drew Brees um he's not coming off the best performance he he did enough. Um, he did. He made the throws that need to be made. But I don't know. I I feel a little concerned with the with his performance, his decline a bit. Um, but I don't know. Saints fans sh- should I be should I really be concerned, or should you feel concerned um, about him going into this game? Um, because he again he needs to be he has to slug it out against Tom Brady who clearly looks like he still has 
even at 43. So we'll see. So again, I'm going to go on the upset limb and pick the Bucks by seven. Tampa just has a lot of pieces at their disposal on both sides of the ball. And they're, they're just a more, I, I'd say the more hot, like red hot chili pepper team right now. Um, they, they have it more in sync on offense. They're picking it up on defense, even if they're missing a couple of guys. Um, but if they want to win against the saints, they need to execute on both sides of the ball, especially on defense. Um, they, they allowed themselves to keep it tight against the Washington football team. They can't allow that to happen against the saints, especially in this game that matters most. And if the Saints want to beat Brady for the third time, they need Cameron Jordan and the defensive line to attack um, Brady, pressure him, and sack him frequently and often. So that is my predictions. I'm picking Packers for actually. Essentially, these are the championship games I'm um, predicting um, for from the divisional round. My predictions for the for the AFC, NFC, and AFC title games are Bucks, Packs, Buckers, Buckers. <laughs> My God. Anyway, on the NFC side, Bucks, Packers, Ravens, Chiefs. Or we can add up with the more expected um, Saints, Packers, Bills, Chiefs. Or we can end up with something even crazier. We can go even all out crazy we either get rams bucks or rams saints or in the afc we just get even crazier browns bills or browns ravens so much like i know like people are already like thinking it's gonna be like this or that uh championship game of oh, this team is gonna win but if you saw Wild Card Weekend, um, aside from the Saints game or the Bills game, it literally anything could happen. Like any team could win. Um, in, in this postseason, like look at what the Rams did. Look at what the Ravens did. Look at what the Browns just did. They annihilated the Steelers. So literally anything can happen. Um, in this in this postseason, so it's gonna be an interesting one to watch. It's gonna be an interesting slate of games to watch uh, this weekend, um, and I hope you all enjoy it. Um, if you're a fan of these teams, um, I wish the best of luck to your teams, and well, let let's play ball, and um, hopefully we get more Nickelodeon um, NFL games. Um, mainly playoff games for now in the future but anyway um i'm dylan lasagna your host signing off a very the very cold lasagna podcast keep that uh cold lasagna in the fridge as always and um next episode we will recap the the divisional round and preview the conference championships and until then again keep that lasagna very cold your opinions on sports and wrestling very cold and i'll see you next time
Take care, everyone. Make sure to subscribe, listen, follow to this podcast on all platforms. And yeah, see you in the next one.